are in week two of our Savage Jesus series. Last week, Pastor Ryan kicked off this series. If you missed last week, we encourage you to go to our website, theradiantlife.church. Go to our media page and you can check out last week. We're digging through the book of Mark, talking about Savage Jesus and the scandalous love of God. And we're going to dive into that again here today. Now, in our culture, there are certain things that we would consider normal, right? We have these social norms, expectations for how people act in certain social situations. You know, so if, if you were to be riding on an elevator, for example, and you're standing there like any decent human being, minding your own business, and somebody boards the elevator, and instead of having enough, you know, self-respect to turn around and, you know, stare awkwardly at the door like everybody else, they stand there facing you, and then, horror upon horrors, they begin to try to converse with other people in the elevator, we would say, uh, this, this is a little bit uncomfortable, right? If I were to ask you to locate somebody in the, in the worship center right now that you don't know and have you like, like awkwardly hold eye contact, you know, for like a pretty long time, right? That, that would probably make some of you all uncomfortable. I actually, I made second service do that. So you're welcome that I didn't do that for you guys today. If you were at McDonald's, you're next in line, but you hear the person in front of you bargaining with the cashier over how much they're going to pay for their Big Mac and fries, you would say, what are they doing? That's not normal. We have social norms within our culture, and every culture have that has them, and they, you know, they're, they're a little bit different from one culture to the other, but every culture has them. Now, we also have religious norms, whether you grew up in church or you, this is your first time ever being in a church, at some point you've probably become aware of this. Maybe you visited a different church and you're like, wow, everybody else seems to know exactly when they're supposed to sit down, stand up, pass this gray basket to the center aisle. What is going on here? We become more aware of these things when we either don't know what the norms are, or somebody violates them, like the elevator situation. Over the years, you know, you've seen some evolution of what is considered normal within church, right? It used to be, right, on, on Sunday, you know, you'd, you'd get all spiffied up, right, because you would, you would get out your Sunday, your Sunday best. One of my grandpas, like, he still, every, he wears his suit, he gets ready to go, he's all proper, ready to go, oh, you wear a we're a suit to church. We're a suit to church. Fortunately, that norm has evolved. And we can wear jeans and T-shirts and, you know, all kinds of things. But, yeah. <laughs> so we had that norm in, in, in church, right? But that's also a social norm, right? The, the way people dress in certain settings. Now, several years ago, I had the most comfortable flannel jacket that you could ever imagine. And I love this jacket. This is me, by the way, in case you were confused. Somebody after first service said, it took me a long time to figure out the person in that picture was you because you have hair and I didn't recognize you. So that's me and that is my very favorite flannel jacket. 
And that flannel jacket was amazing. It changed my life. But over time, after wearing this jacket for several years, my dear wife came to me and she says, Josh, you, you, you can't wear that jacket anymore. And I said, well, but it's so comfortable. She says, Josh, you, you can't wear that jacket anymore. The sleeves right here, you can start to see the, the fabric was falling off. At, at Eventually, it got to the point where I was just wearing the lining of the jacket. But it was so stinking comfortable. She says, Josh, you have to get rid of that jacket. Why do I have to get rid of the jacket? Just because it's not okay for you to wear that in public. You can't do that. People are going to think you're homeless. They're going to be like giving you $5 bills. They're going to be trying to take you to the mission to get you a hot meal. She says, it's not okay. You can't wear that out in public. Now, I say I was just ahead of my time because now it's cool to have holes in your clothing. You pay extra for clothing that come pre-ripped. I was just ahead of my time. But she said it's not, it's not okay to wear that out in public. Social norms. Jesus lived in first century Palestine in a Jewish culture. And there were social and religious norms at that time as well, within that culture. Today we're going to dig into a little piece of scripture that shows us one way that Jesus interacted with the norms of his culture. If you, want, if you have your Bible with you, I encourage you to turn to the book of Mark. The words will be on the screen, but otherwise I think sometimes it's just nice to have that, that hard copy Bible in your hand. So I encourage you to grab your Bible, turn to the book of Mark. It's our second book in the Newer Testament. Mark is a book, it was written by a guy named John Mark. John Mark was not a direct disciple of Jesus. However, scholars believe that he was a, an associate of Peter. Peter was one of the 12 guys that Jesus hung out with. He taught them how to do ministry. John Mark then hung out with Peter and recorded for us Peter's uh, experiences and, and Peter's uh, time with Jesus. So we have John Mark called the book of Mark. So Mark chapter 1, we're going to be starting in verse 40. We'll see how Jesus interacts with social and religious norms. It says this. A man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean, he said. Now, I think it's important to note, when they, we, we read that word leprosy in Scripture, that is not necessarily what we would consider leprosy today. Uh, when, when you read that word leprosy in scripture, that could be any skin disease. I'm, I'm willing to, to wager that this guy is dealing with some sort of chronic skin disease. The fact that he comes to Jesus begging, he says, Lord, like if you are willing, you can heal me. So he's been dealing with this for a while is my guess. And he doesn't seem to doubt Jesus' ability to heal him. He says, hey, I know you can do it. What he seems to doubt is whether or not Jesus is willing to heal him. Why is that? Why might this guy come and say, Lord, I know you can heal me. Jesus has already started his ministry. He's been going around. He's been healing people all over the place. Why would this guy say, Lord, I know you can heal me, but I don't know if you're willing I think understanding 
the social and religious norms that existed within this culture give us a little bit more insight into why he might approach Jesus like this. Socially, again, this is a Jewish culture, and they operated under the law, the law of Moses. In the first five books of the Older Testament, there are all kinds of things that were they're prescribed. Hey, this is how you need to live. Hey, this is how people are going to know that you're my people. And one of those things is in regards to skin disease. Actually, skin disease gets a couple of chapters. So if you're ever looking for a real page turner, you just pull up the book of Leviticus and you're like, let's check this bad boy out. And we have some information here in Leviticus 13, 45 through 46. It says this. Those who suffer from a serious skin disease must tear their clothing and leave their hair uncombed. So you've got to wear my flannel jacket. And, you know, I don't have to worry about the hair combing. But they must cover their mouth and call out, unclean, unclean. Hey, I want all of you guys, like at the top of your lungs, I want you to yell out, unclean, unclean. All right, one, two, three. Right? So they're like, hey, unclean, unclean. As long as the serious disease lasts, they will be ceremonially unclean. They must live in isolation in their place outside the camp. So what's happening here socially? You're cut off from your community. It says, hey, if you have this skin disease, you have to go and live outside the camp. You have to live outside of the city. You have to be quarantined. And just in case anybody wanders into your neck of the woods, you have to announce your presence so they know you're the kind of person that they probably don't want to hang out with. Unclean. So socially the norm is you have a skin disease like this, you are cut off from your community. But it doesn't stop there. Because within Jewish culture, the community represented the presence of God. God hung out in their community. So if you were cut off from community, you were also cut off from God. You were not able to participate in worship because you were unclean. And you might say, well, man, that sounds kind of harsh. And it does. As you read this, you're like, man, this is, this is God telling his people how they were supposed to function. You think, man, that sounds harsh. But all throughout the Older Testament, we see God giving us this, this picture that he is holy. Holy means set apart or separate. And throughout the Older Testament, you see things like this where he says, hey, God is holy. And impurity, uncleanness cannot coexist with the presence of God. So it sounds harsh, but that is the harsh reality of humanity. And that we are separated from God. Our uncleanness, our impurity does separate us from God because it can't coexist with the presence of God. So he says, hey, hey, you have this skin disease? You have to, you have to get out of town. You have to say, unclean, unclean. Cut off from community, cut off from God. That's the norm. You don't mess with these people because guess what? You go hang out with people who are unclean, you can become unclean. How does Jesus operate in this 
setting. We see that in the next verse in Mark chapter 1. Moved with compassion. Jesus reached out and did what? Reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. Again, in a culture that says, hey, if somebody's unclean, you don't, you don't, you don't get into close proximity to that person because then you could be unclean. Jesus says, hey, hey, I'm willing. And he reaches out and touches him. Now, the healing power of Jesus isn't limited by proximity. We have accounts in Scripture where people came to Jesus and said, hey, hey, so-and-so is sick, and I know if you just say the word, they'll be healed. And he says, yeah, hey, man, you have faith. Boom, they're healed. Jesus didn't even have to go to their place. So why does Jesus reach out and touch this guy? Again, social norm, religious norm. Man, if you're unclean, you stay away from people. You make sure people know you're unclean because you don't want them to come into contact with you. Because if they come into contact with you and they become unclean, now they're cast out from the community. They are cut off from God. So this guy has said to Jesus, Jesus, if you are willing, if you're willing to risk the physical consequences, because, man, I might be contagious. I don't know. We'll have us a little chicken pox party here. He says, if you're willing to risk physical consequences, which lead to social consequences, if you're willing to risk possibly getting kicked out of the community and religious, if you're willing to risk getting cut off from the presence of God, I know you can heal me, but I don't know if that's something that you're willing to risk. So Jesus reaches out and he touches him. And he says, I'm willing be healed. Instantly the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. Then Jesus sent him on his way with a stern warning. Don't tell anyone about this. Instead, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. Now this has always bothered me. Because you read it and you think, man, it seems like Jesus, at the front end of this account, Jesus is ignoring all the religious norms. He says, you're not supposed to interact with people who are unclean. But Jesus says, hey, not only am I going to engage you in conversation, I'm going to touch you. Right? So he says, man, I mean, that's, that's not really following the, the letter of the law. But then he says, oh, okay, go to the priest and offer the sacrifice. Again, you want you look in the book of Leviticus, and it'll tell you, hey, if you're, you know, you got to go have the priest inspect you, and if the hair is white or if the spot is red, or if, it, it's, it's nuts. Like, that's actually in the Bible. Like, you get all kinds of information that seems odd. But with that, then he says, hey, if, if you become clean, there are certain sacrifices that you have to make. Jesus says, go make those sacrifices as a public testimony to them. I think Jesus was being a little bit punk rock here. He was being savage. Jesus sends this guy to the priest. Now imagine with me. Now this is, enter into my imagination if you dare. But Jesus, this, Jesus sends this guy to the priest. He goes to the priest. And the, the guy that had leprosy comes and he says, Hey, Priest Jerry, what's up? Um, so here's the deal. 
I had leprosy, now I don't. Here's a couple of pigeons and, you know, check it out. Look, I'm clean, it's good. Priest Jerry would have been well aware that in the recorded scripture that the Jewish culture was based around, we have two accounts of miraculous healings of leprosy. One of those is in connection with Moses, who was a pretty big deal in Jewish history. The other one is in connection with Elisha, who was a prophet, also a pretty big deal in Jewish history. So this guy comes and he says, hey, priest Jerry, I was miraculously healed of leprosy. He's sitting there and he's saying, whoa, that's significant. That doesn't happen often. Okay, well, uh, so how did, that, how did that happen? And he says, oh, it was great. There's this guy, Jesus. And I went to him and I begged him. And he reached out and he touched me. Priest Jerry at this point, he says, hang on just a second. He says, he did what? The guy says, Jesus, he reached out and he touched me and I was healed. Priest Jerry is over here and he says, he touched you? You, you can't do that. <laughs> like that's, that's not allowed. You can't, you can't touch somebody with a skin disease. But this guy said, no, he did. He reached out, he touched me, and I was healed. Why is that savage? Why is that punk rock? I think Jesus is sending a message to the religious establishment. He's saying, hey, for thousands of years now, we've had this system. We recognize that God is holy, and he is. We recognize the impurity, uncleanness, or in church world, we would, we would say sin. We say that separates us from God because God is holy. And that is the way it works. That's true. For thousands of years, that's been our system. And, you know, we've got all these hoops to jump through. You've got to kill a couple of goats and a chicken, you know, and throw a pinch of salt. I don't know, you know, all these things to try to regain standing with God. All of that, again, to illustrate this idea that God is holy, God is separate, sin separates us from God. But Jesus says, you guys have been really worried that our uncleanness, our impurity would contaminate the holiness of God. So we've kept anything unclean at bay. We've said, nope, you can't come in here. Nope, you can't be part of this. Nope, you got to stay outside Rip your clothes and yell at everybody when they walk by. He says, but something new is coming. God is still holy. Sin still separates us from God. But Jesus says, you're worried about contaminating my purity with your impurity. He says, no, 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 no. I'm going to come and I'm going to meet you. And my purity, my holiness, my goodness is enough for both of us. You won't contaminate me. I will cleanse you. Because we still serve a holy God. Sin still separates us. Jesus says, I'm going to bridge the gap. And yes, it will still require a sacrifice, but it will require one more sacrifice. And then it's taken care of. So Jesus is saying something new is coming down the line, boys. So buckle up. That's punk rock. 
that's savage. He says, hey, we've had this great system, but it's, it's going to change. So we see in this, in this account a couple of things that Jesus did in, in regards to those social and religious norms. Jesus risked physical, again, homeboy might have been contagious. So he risked physical consequences interacting with this guy. He risked social consequences because guess what? If his interaction with this guy made him unclean, he's cast out from the community. He's not allowed to participate in worship. He risked all those consequences. Why? To bring hope, healing, and wholeness to hurting people. A while ago we did a series and Pastor Ryan talked about this idea that when humanity decided to take our fate into our own hands, Right? God had said, hey, here's the way I want you to live. But humanity was like, nah. Going to do things my own way. Four relationships suffered. Our relationship with God, broken. Our relationship with ourself, broken. Our relationship with others in the human race, broken. And our relationship with the physical creation, this world that we live in, broken. And Jesus says, hey, I'm showing up. Man, and I'm going to start to make that right again. I want to bring wholeness and healing and hope to hurting people. And he says, I'm not going to let social or religious barriers get in the way. I'm not going to worry about them contaminating me. I'm going to make them clean. He didn't operate within all the norms. He didn't let that dictate the way he loved people. So this morning I want to have two conversations to wrap this up. And the first conversation is for those of us here today that would consider ourselves followers of Jesus. You're here and you have faith. Jesus, he's man, you're, you're like, yep, Jesus, he's the guy. My question to you this morning is this. What are you willing to risk to bring hope, healing, and wholeness to those around you? More and more, we live in a post-Christian culture. It's not popular to follow Jesus. More and more, the dialogue is one that is not favorable of faith. Social norms might say, hey, uh, Keep your faith, believe in Jesus. But you know what? That's a personal thing. That's a, that's a private matter. Hey, go to church. That's, that's cool, whatever. Go to church on Sunday. At home, you do whatever you want. If you want to read the Bible, if you want to pray, great. But keep that out of the workplace. Keep that out of the schools. Keep that out of the, the, the public sphere. More and more, that's the conversation happening in our culture. So what's normal is, hey, faith, it's just this, it's this private, it's this personal thing. Right, the, the cultural norms, the social norms right now are, well, you know, you, you, you can't really, you can't really have a, a differing opinion because, well, and you can't share that because it might be offensive and, uh, you know, you might hurt somebody's feelings and, uh, and you can't do that. 
Right? We live in this culture of tolerance. Where no, you, hey, you can't speak against a certain belief system because that's not tolerant. Several years ago, I had a conversation with a guy, and he says, yeah, he was not a follower of Jesus. He says, I don't mind Christians. Christian, yeah, whatever. I just wish they would shut up about it. Right? I wish they wouldn't push their beliefs on other people. They can have their faith. Right? They can go to church. They can do their Jesus thing at church. They can do their Jesus thing at home. Just don't talk to me about it. And I said, dude, if every single person on earth had terminal cancer, and somebody, there's a group of people somewhere, and they found a cure. Would you want them to share that? Sin is spiritual cancer. We are cut off from God. Jesus showed up, and he said, hey, I'm the cure. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have the cure. Why would you not share that? This week I was reading a study, Barna, they're a big research group. They did a study. And they they polled millennials, right? And I'm not I'm not trying to pick on millennials. You guys are awesome. You guys get a bad rep sometimes. But they polled millennials. And within millennials, they focused on the group of millennials that said that they are practicing Christians. And they define that as as people who would say their faith is a very important part of their life. And they're regularly involved in things like, you know, they go to church, you know, they're plugged in to their faith community. Of that subset of millennials, ones that say, hey, my faith is very important to me. I'm engaged in a faith community. 47% said that it is wrong to share your faith with somebody. 40, not, not, oh, it's difficult to share with my faith with somebody. Not, it's uncomfortable to share my faith with somebody. They said it is wrong to share my faith with somebody. And the scary thing is they don't have the, statist- the statistics on Generation Z, Gen Z. They're the, they're the ones coming up next. But if something big doesn't change, that percentage will probably be significantly higher. Because as we keep going, again, the dialogue is not favorable of faith. It's this, this tolerance. It's this, well, you know, that's a private thing. And we let those social norms dictate the way we exercise our faith. If you're a follower of Jesus, are you willing to risk that millennial or not, are you one of the 47% that says, oh no, it's not right to share my faith. Show me where Jesus gives you that out. He says, everybody has cancer. You have the cure. Why would we not share that? But we say, oh, it's uncomfortable. Last week, Pastor Ryan talked about how when God calls us, he often calls us out of what is comfortable. There is risk in leaving behind what is comfortable. There are some of us here this morning, a couple of weeks ago, we gave you invite cards, right, for this series. To say, hey, God's doing something cool in our community. Like, we want, we want you to be able to invite people in. We want to give you an easy tool to do that. 
Now, there are some of you that took that and ran with it. I told, I told second service, man, I heard stories about people running out to the middle of US 12, like handing people Savage Jesus invite cards. But there are some of us who won't even do that. We're like, eh, I'm not really comfortable. Like, you know, what if, what if they get upset with me? What if, what if they think I'm weird? You know, what if, what if they ask me a question and I don't know the answer? What if they, what if they do this? And so because of that, we won't even give somebody an invite card. What are we willing to risk? Are we willing to risk a little bit of discomfort? Are we willing to risk potential rejection? Maybe they do. Maybe you go, you invite somebody in, man, you talk to somebody about your faith, and they totally shut you down. They totally, they're like, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. That might happen. Are you willing to risk that? Because guess what? You might go and you might have a conversation with somebody about your faith. You say, hey, man, I met Jesus, and he, this is how he changed my life. And then they enter in, they experience Jesus, they find freedom, they discover their purpose, and then they start to impact people for Jesus. What if that happened? Because you were willing to risk a little bit of discomfort. You were willing to risk potential rejection. You were willing to risk an awkward conversation. Say, hey, man, God's been doing something cool in my life, and I just want to talk to you about it. Let's not be the 47%. What are you willing to risk? Jesus risked physical, social, and religious consequences. He didn't let those things get in the way of bringing hope, healing, and wholeness. If you're here today and you are a follower of Jesus, you have a story about how God healed you, how God gave you hope. Sometimes we think only the... Drug, drug addict, prostitute, murderers have great testimonies about how God works. Right? But guess what? Newsflash. If we're here and we've experienced Jesus, prior to Jesus, we were broken, hurting people. So you have a story of hope, healing, and wholeness. And God can use that story to impact others. Maybe a risk for you, you would say, oh, hey, I'm, I'm fine doing this Sunday morning thing, right? Put me in a big group of people. I can sit there. I can clap, you know, when the band is playing. It's great. I can do this. Maybe a risk for you is uh, next month when we kick off next steps, maybe you, you get down in a little bit smaller of a group. In our next steps experience, you are going to have the opportunity to learn how to articulate your story, to be able to talk about what it is that God has done in your life and how God can use that to impact other people. You're going to have the opportunity to dig in and say, hey, how has God gifted me to help build up the church and to reach other people around me? They dig into all those things in next steps. So maybe the risk you need to take is you need to circle N on your connection card this morning. Or you need to come talk to Pastor Brandon who's sitting down front. You say, man, i got to get into this next steps. Because I need to learn how to use my story to impact people. I need, to, I need to learn how God has gifted me to impact other people. Maybe that's a risk that you can take. Maybe you, you buy in and you, you kind of live by that social norm that says, hey, faith is a private, personal thing. Keep that out of any sort of public sphere. Maybe a good first step risk for you is to go public. And you get dunked. Man, you get up in front of people and you're like, you know what? 
Jesus has brought hope, healing, and wholeness into my life. And I need to just get up here, man. I got to like say, praise God. And I've got I've to go public with that. Maybe that's the risk that you need to take. We've got baptism coming up on Easter. Maybe that's a risk that you need to take. We've been talking a lot about this come alive thing. And next week, it's going to be a blast. We're going to really unpack this more. But this is something that we feel like, man, God has been doing something awesome in our community. And he's let Radiant Life be a part of that. We're not the only ones reaching people for Jesus. We've got, we've got some great churches in our, in our community. But God has said, hey, I'm doing something in Sturgis and in the surrounding areas. And Radiant Life gets to be part of that. And we say, hey, how can we have greater impact on our community? We said, man, we gotta, we got to literally blow out some walls. we gotta, we got to do some stuff here. That's what Come Alive is all about. We say, how can we have more impact on our community? But guess what? Things like that, that takes dollars. Maybe a risk that God is going to challenge you in is you're going to say, hey, man, I kind of like, hey, I'll, I'll, go, I'll talk to people about Jesus. I'll, I'll share my faith. All that stuff is good. But, man, I'm, <laughs> I don't want them anywhere near my my wallet. Maybe a risk that Holy Spirit's going to poke you on is how you're supposed to come alongside, come alive. Again, next week, man, it's going to be it's going to be awesome. You're not going to want to miss next week. Really, you're not going to want to miss any week because I don't know. I think we have a pretty good time here. Maybe your risk that God is going to call you to is you need to get outside of your normal context. I've talked about this from the stage before, but man, I think God does something really cool. He changes our perspective. He challenges the things that we think are normal when we get outside of our usual context. Maybe for some of you, that means in October when we go to Sierra Leone, you're going to come along. We're going on a medical and a work trip in October of this year. And you think, oh, that, that, that might be cool. There's, there's some risk involved. Personally, I love, I love being in Sierra Leone. I just hate getting there. I hate airplanes. I hate flying. So maybe that's a risk that you need to take. You need to sit through a couple of eight, nine-hour flights. I hate flying over waters that are inhabited by sharks. Not found that. Yeah, come on. One of the times when I went, somebody was like, oh, hey, there's an app. And it, it'll show you where all the sharks are. Look, there's some right there where you're flying over. Ha, ha, ha. Like, thanks. Thanks. I'm not a big fan of venomous snakes. There's risk involved in getting outside of your normal context. But what are you willing to risk to bring hope, healing, and wholeness to other people? You know what the super cool thing is about this trip we've got coming up in October? With the medical team, you're actually going to be doing training in a clinic to actually bring physical healing. You're going to be training staff on how they can actually heal people. Pretty cool like that. What are you willing to risk to bring hope, healing, and wholeness? Because if you're a follower of Jesus, you have experienced that. You have the cure. What is keeping you from sharing that with other people? And are you willing to step up to the line and say, you know what? I'm not going to let that hold me back. The second conversation this morning is for those of you that are here who are not followers of Jesus. First of all, we're glad you're here. Hopefully you feel welcome. Hopefully our, our norms don't weird you out too bad. 
But my question for you this morning is what are you willing to risk to experience hope, healing, and wholeness? Everybody say hope. Everybody say healing. Everybody say wholeness. Apart from Jesus, we will never be able to truly experience wholeness in our life. Now, does that mean like if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, you're absolutely miserable and you're, you're a dirty, rotten scumbag? No, not at all. But we will never experience true wholeness apart from Jesus because God is holy. And apart from Jesus, none of us can come into his presence. It is only through Jesus that that can happen. And again, the, the, the conversation in our culture is less and less favorable of faith. So maybe you need a risk saying, well, am I willing to go out on a limb? Am I willing to explore the possibility that maybe the worldview I've been operating from isn't? They don't really have all the answers. Are you willing to risk what might seem like to you like intellectual dishonesty? Like, oh, I can't lie. There's no logical reason. There's not an intellectual reason to believe in this Jesus guy. First of all, I would challenge you and say there's actually really good logical and intellectual reasons to buy in to faith. And I would love to have that conversation with you if that's where you're at. But are you willing to risk at least exploring the possibility that this Jesus thing has some credibility? Because through Jesus, we do experience hope, healing, and wholeness. I heard it said by somebody, they came to, they came to faith in Jesus as an adult, and they said, man, after, after I came to faith, after I experienced Jesus, it's like I realized that God filled a hole in my heart I didn't know I even had. True wholeness is only found through Jesus. Followers of Jesus, what are you willing to risk to bring hope, healing, and wholeness to those around you? If you're not a follower of Jesus, what are you willing to risk to experience that? Because that is available. It doesn't matter what your past looks like. Again, Jesus isn't worried that your past, that your uncleanness, your impurity is going to somehow contaminate him. He's good enough for all of us. What are you willing to risk? We're going to pray this morning. I just want to ask you, just, let's all, let's just bow our heads, close our eyes this morning. I just want to pray for, for kind of both, both groups of people here this morning. If you're here this morning and you're a follower of Jesus, and the Holy Spirit's been kind of poking you a little bit, and you know that you play it safe when it comes to your faith, You've let your faith be this personal, private thing. If that's you this morning and you would say, you know what? I want to step out. I want to take more risks. I have hope. I have healing. I have wholeness. I want to step out. I want to be part of bringing that to other people. And that takes risk. But you know what the cool thing is? To us, it seems like a risk. But if God is in it, if God is calling you to it, it's not actually a risk. It's the safest bet you could have. So if that's you this morning as a follower of Jesus, you say, man, I need to take more risks for my faith. I just want to ask you to shoot up a hand. I just want to pray for you this morning. 
I just want to say, Father God, Lord, give us boldness. Lord, we have the cure. We have Jesus. We've experienced wholeness. Lord, for each one here today, Lord, who's a follower of Jesus, they're saying, Lord, I need to take more risks. Lord, give them boldness through your Holy Spirit. Whatever that looks like in their life, Lord, use them. Use them to bring other people into a relationship with you. Use their story. Lord, use their giftings. Use them however you need to. And even though it might scare the crap out of us, Lord, whatever you're calling us to do, Lord, give them the boldness and the strength to do that. This morning, I also want to pray, if you're one here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, but you'd say, you know what? Man, I see the brokenness in this world all around me. I see hurting people. I Maybe you're here and you're hurting. And you'd say, I want to experience that wholeness. Man, you talk about this restoration and all these relationships. I want to experience that. I want to find freedom in my life. If that's you this morning, I just want to encourage you to just slip your hand up. Man, I want, I want to pray for you this morning. Because wholeness is available. Father God, Lord, you bring wholeness to our lives and we thank you for that. Lord, for those who walked in this morning, they don't have a relationship with you. Lord, they're, maybe they've been kicking the tires. Maybe they've been considering themselves far away from you, had no interest in you, Lord. But today you said, hey, you know what? This is something for you. Lord, I just pray that you would uh, birth in them and grow in them. Lord, just a passion for you. Lord, as you make them whole, as you restore them, as you heal them, as you give them hope that that would spill over out of them and that they would in turn bring hope, healing, and wholeness to those around them. Lord, we can only come to you through Jesus. Thank you for what he did for us. Lord, we pray this in your name. Amen. At this time, we're going to transition into a time of receiving tithes and offerings. As I kind of mentioned with the Come Alive thing, man, sometimes an area where we're hesitant to be risky is with our finances. But tithes and offerings, this is just a way for us as people who follow Jesus to recognize that God is worth trusting. And He's worth trusting with a, a smaller percentage of our income for us to live on. We say, he says, hey, hey, I want you to trust me. I want you to come in here. And if you don't have a church background, when we say tithe, that's just, that means 10%. That's a church norm that maybe you're like, what in the world is that? What is he talking about? God says, hey, I want you to live on a smaller percentage of your income, and I'm going to use the rest of it to grow my kingdom. And we say, Lord, we say, hey, man, you're, you're worth trusting. I know I can trust you. And again, if God's in it, it's not really a risk. So the ushers are going to come down. If you're a guest with us this morning, don't feel any pressure to give. Just let that basket pass you right by. Don't feel weird about it. Don't feel like, oh, maybe I should put something in. No, it's all right. It really is. If you're here this morning, you're not a follower of Jesus. 
Again, we do this as an act of worship, and if you're not a follower of Jesus, you really don't have to feel like you have to give because that's not an act of worship that is part of your life right now. Scripture tells us that God loves a cheerful giver. So if you're here this morning and you're a follower of Jesus and you can't give cheerfully, we don't want you to feel any pressure to give. But take time and say, Lord, what is it that needs to change in my heart? I can't give cheerfully. Lord, why not? And let them kind of work you through that. But as the, play, as the uh, baskets go by, just uh, if you had got a connection card this morning, you can chuck that in there. If you didn't get a connection card, if you're like, what in the heck is a connection card? <laughs> what are you talking about? If you got a handout this morning, it's at the bottom. You just tear that off. Whether you've been coming here for 50 years or this is your first time, you can fill one of those bad boys out. If you're a first-time guest, we would just encourage you, bring that connection card out in our lobby and uh, connect with us at Guest Central. If you go out these doors to the left, big green sign, it says Guest Central. We've tried to make it complicated like that. Well, we just want to connect with you, give you a high five, say, hey, thanks for coming and hanging out with us this morning. So if you're a guest, bring your connection card there. If you're a guest and you didn't get a connection card, you can still go out there and be like, that bald dude was talking about a connection card. We have no idea what he's talking about. We still have to connect with you. But as the baskets go by, I would encourage you to stand. We're going to close out with this song, Life Defined. If you're a follower of Jesus, what does it look like? If you let Jesus and the way he functioned, what if you let that define the way you function? Jesus said, hey, I have hope, healing, and wholeness to bring people. I'm not going to let social barriers get in the way. I'm not going to let cultural norms dictate healing people. Whether or not it's okay for me to go and share my faith. What does it look like if our lives were truly defined by Jesus. Let's pray. May our lives be defined by you. May we let you take over every aspect of our lives. Lord, it's super cool you let us be part of this. Lord, we just, we bring you praise and honor right now. We pray in your name. Amen.